On this week's episode of Third and Manageable, Voldemort is going back to college while Melvin Gordon is returning to L.A. But first, we break down each game of week three in this episode's segment of Hot Takes. Then, as always, we'll check the Palantir and give you our bold predictions for week four. Stay tuned. And welcome back to another episode of Third and Manageable. I am Shem Hanks. And I am Brad Roberts. And we are through three weeks of the NFL season. On to week four, we are looking at the quarter mark of the NFL season. Pretty amazing that we are this deep into the year. Well, amazing is a word you could put for it, but I like to think of it as sad because it just it's going so quickly. I mean, soon enough the the week eight's gonna be here, and then the playoffs are gonna be here, and then we're stuck with nothing but baseball and just a bunch of other nonsense. Yeah, and at some point here, the Broncos are gonna be eliminated from playoff com- uh, competition, and you know. Shut your mouth! <laughs> this is the week where they turn it around. Ah, it all begins this week. Yeah. But for right now, let's reflect on last week. Let's reflect on what has been, including but not limited to the Gardner Minshew show where he beat the Tennessee Titans one-handedly. We're just going to give Gardner Minshew the win straight across. Hey, the first Washington State quarterback to get a win in a long time in the NFL. Whoa, spoiler alert. You're saying Luke Falk didn't win this week? No. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure he's not going to get another start. Oh, no. Poor Luke Falk. Well, the Denver Broncos also played the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau. We did an entire show about this particular game. But, Brad, do you have anything that you wanted to add? Uh, Not too much. Um, I think you guys were a little too soft in your podcast Mm. regarding Bradley Chubb. I don't think you emphasized Isaac Yidem being so much of a loser as he should have been. (laughs) Um, And though you guys did correct it towards the end, um, I I think Cortland Sutton deserves a little bit more credit. I mean, he hasn't... Um, as Dan said, he hasn't really stepped into that big play role, you know, as, as being a a true number one threat. Like nobody's mistaking Cortland Sutton for uh, a DeAndre Hopkins or a Michael Thomas, but I think he is progressing along very well. And I think those uh, feelings that we had in training camp regarding him dropping a lot of passes, I think that's a thing in the past. I mean, he has looked very solid. Um, but uh, the last thing I would leave it here is I'm very concerned about Noah Fant. I think his progression is going to take a lot longer than we were expecting um, if it happens at all. Yeah, I'm sure I'll get into Noah Fant here in just a few games, but let's talk Buffalo Bills starting out 3-0. and The division tied team with the New England Patriots for the moment, beating the now 0-3 mighty Bengals of Cincinnati. Well, the Buffalo Bills are tied for the lead for the time being. Um, This week shall prove uh, the men from the boys, as they say, um, as they go to, uh, not go to, but they will be hosting the New England Patriots for a battle of the undefeateds. Um, This was a game where I did not listen to Matthew Berry and a lot of the fantasy experts saying that 
all of the Bengals players were going to have terrible games. They downgraded Joe Mixon. They downgraded John Ross, Andy Dalton, Tyler Eifert, the entire crew from the Bengals offense. Um, I think this Buffalo defense is very formidable. Um, I went with my gut and I started a couple of the Bengals offensive players, just hoping that they would have a um, breakout game. Maybe the bills weren't as formidable as I hoped, but uh, they, they proved all those guys, right. And uh, John Ross ended up having a terrible game. Joe Mixon has looked very bad through three games and granted he is, suffering through an injury that he sustained in week one. But um, the 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 rose is losing its petals for for the Bengals' new head coach. Mm. Let's move on to the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys against the Miami Dolphins. Weirdly enough, the Dallas Cowboys ended up winning this game. Yeah, they uh they destroyed my hopes for having a a prediction in this game. I said that the Cowboys struggle in defense in the final 2 to 5 minutes of each half, and as it turns out, they only allowed the Dolphins to score 6 points this game, mm. and at no point did they score in those time frames that I said so. Um I think the Cowboys they are legitimate. They are contenders. And the Dolphins are the farthest thing from that. Yeah, Josh Rosen's first official start with the Dolphins did not go very well. But, hey, he didn't throw an interception. Oh, so we're giving partial credit. Partial credit. For effort. Uh, But the Dallas rushing attack had two guys over 100 yards. I will also say that Miami's uh, Preston Williams continues to look good. I was just about to say that he finished with four catches for 68 yards. Um, still not really, you know, blowing anybody's doors off, but for being an undrafted free agent, I don't think anybody was expecting this to happen. Um, I think the dolphins have accidentally struck gold here. Next up the Indianapolis Colts at home beat the Atlanta Falcons. I pick the Falcons to win in this game, not in our prediction, but just, you know, in the NFL. I predicted that the Falcons were going to pull it off, go on the road, go to the Dome, and beat the Colts. The Colts, now at 2-1, and one, continue to surprise, at least me. They're staying competitive and beating good teams. Jacoby Brissett, another big game. 300 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Matt Ryan and company continue to falter uh, in that defense for the Colts without Darius Leonard stepped up, made plays, got stops, and got the win. Well, Jacoby Brissett has been very efficient through three games. Um, In this game, he only had nine incompletions, 310 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers. And despite that, he was playing that way with Marlon Mack. He had a, a pretty low performance game. I mean, 16 carries, 74 rushing yards, but most of those came on the back end of the this game, so he was not helping Brissett in the beginning parts of this game. Um, and despite the fact the Falcons, I mean, Julio Jones had another crazy good game, 128 yards and a touchdown. And Devontae Freeman actually stepped up from... He's been floundering the past two weeks, but he finishes with 88 yards. 
Um, I, I was very surprised that this game ended the way that it did. It looked like the Falcons were going to come back and, and overpower the Colts towards the end. But it, the Colts are 2-1 and one through three weeks. It, they may be a division contender. Might be, especially in that particular division where everything feels very wide open still. Now, what's I'd like to really focus on this next game here, Shem. Um, this was the game of the week in most yep. people's eyes. Yep. They were facing uh, two undefeated teams, but two very much up-and-coming quarterbacks here in Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. I think you know where I'm going with this. The Chiefs and the Ravens mm. game. Why don't you break that down for me? Well, Kansas City came out on top, but it was a close game in that Baltimore made a bigger fourth quarter comeback. Another explosive second quarter by the Kansas City Chiefs after trailing after the first. Two weeks in a row, last week against Oakland, same situation. Trailing after the first quarter, explosive second quarter, and then maintained through the rest of the game. Uh... Mahomes still apparently is good at football. 374 yards, three touchdowns. The Kansas City rushing attack was led by a different Williams, where Andy Reid continues to show that he can be a running back savant and take just about anyone and make them have a good game. And Emmanuel Ogba was very active for the Chiefs on defense. But... When you look over at the Ravens, something that stood out to me was the first two games, Lamar Jackson was very, very good at throwing the ball. This game, less so. A little over 50% throwing, a throwing percentage, and no touchdowns to speak of. It was all Mark Ingram once they got close to the goal line. Well, when you say a little over 50% completion uh, rate, you mean that by the slimmest of margins because Narrowest. Lamar Jackson threw 22 for 43. So he surpassed that 50% mark by one. Um, I, th- this game was a game of runs for me. Like the, the, the Ravens looked like they were slowing down the game. They scored in the first quarter with that touchdown. And then the second quarter happens where the, the, the Chiefs score four consecutive times increasing their lead to 23 to 6, okay? Now, I'm going to throw out all those uh people talking about how John Harbaugh shouldn't have been going for those uh two-point conversions. It they lost by 5 points. You know, it th- that's just how it goes. If they would have scored on all three of those two-point conversions, then they would have won by one. But going back to what I was saying about a game of runs, despite the Chiefs having four consecutive scores in the second quarter, they also got outscored it, i mean the the in the fourth quarter to try to close out this game the ravens scored three out of the last four times putting 17 points up on the board in the fourth quarter so it it gets a little interesting i i'm not sure about this kansas city team i mean they look just so powerful but it's almost like they step on the gas and then they step off they step on the gas and then they step off so I mean, if that's going to work for him, then let him ride all that way to a Super Bowl. But um, it's interesting, you know, because we've seen this for a couple of weeks now where they just explode on a team in the second or third quarter, and then there's nothing the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just seems odd to me. 
So whoever stops that big run is going to be the team that figures out the Chiefs. Yep. So let's go to the frozen north of Minnesota. It's not frozen yet, I assume, but it's about to be frozen. We're entering October. But the Minnesota Vikings end up beating the Oakland Raiders. And I'll tell you what, watching the games on Sunday... I forgot that this was even a game. Like, they would go to this game and I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Minnesota and Oakland's playing. Because Minnesota just took off a running in this particular game. And I mean running behind the NFL leading rusher, Dalvin Cook. It was also a big game for Mr. Alexander Madison and... Kirk Cousins with a game that was very similar to the Minnesota Vikings first win of the season where he only threw the ball 21 times. He only had 174 yards. Minnesota can win in games where they don't have Kirk Cousins have to gunsling the ball. They want to run the ball. They want to use that stifling defense. And Oakland hasn't really looked good to me over two games they look good against the Broncos and that's not saying a lot right now uh I will say it was nice to see Darren Waller had a good game he's a guy with a good story and so I I hope the best for Darren Waller and hey he is embracing the opportunity right now well this game uh I would agree with you that it just it it happened, but nobody really noticed it. Um, at one point, the Vikings were ahead 34-7, to and then the Raiders got a garbage touchdown towards the end to Tyrell Williams. Um, the Vikings finished with 211 rushing yards. I'm looking really smart for trading away Dalvin Cook in my fantasy league this year. Um, Alexander Madison got a bunch of garbage time yards um, to kind of bring his, his total up. I think this is the way that Minnesota wants to play for the rest of the season. They have a strong defense, and they are extremely efficient at running the ball this year. That remodeling of their offensive line is looking great. So um, good on the Minnesota Vikings for for figuring out this system. And Kirk Cousins can burn you. I mean, he came out at the beginning part of that game, and it looked like this was finally going to be where he has a, a big 300-yard game, three touchdowns, but it it was extremely conservative from that first drive on. He really only made plays when he absolutely had to. But until somebody decides to stop this Minnesota rushing game, I think this is going to be the formula I mean, if you look at the difference from last year to this year of Minnesota's time of possession, this is a drastic difference. I mean, last year they were getting owned in time of possession almost every single game, but for three games straight, they are dominating by that rushing attack that's just wearing people down. Um, I mean, they had 38 rushing attempts compared to Kirk Cousins only passing the ball 21 times. There's nobody else in the league that's doing that. Not even the Seahawks are rushing the ball at that kind of a rate compared to passing. So uh, I think the the Minnesota Vikings have a formula for success here, and it 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 worries me that uh, um, some of these other teams that we might have been picking as the true contenders of the NFC. I mean, once it gets down to playoff time, it's the team that rushes the ball the best that typically wins. 
And I think Minnesota might be throwing a monkey wrench into somebody's plans. Let's go to New England. The New England Patriots ended up beating the New York Jets. Who would have thought? Uh, I Yeah, I definitely didn't see this coming. <laughs> I was expecting Luke Falk to jump out there and uh, get off to a really quick lead and really show Tom Brady um, how how much of a joke that he is and, and how, how much of a donkey he really plays. For. Oh, I meant this the other way around. Oh, so no. instead of that happening, Luke Falk did not even make it over 100 yards no, passing. No, it was so terrible. He was terrible. at 98 yards. Brady had a huge game. Brady was pulled from the game after they were up 30 to 7 and Jarrett Stidham was pick 6 so then Tom Brady had to come back into the game. Well, actually the only two scores that the Jets had were defensive scores. So Luke Falk and company did nothing to help this team despite all of the injuries on the Jets side. Um they were still able to, I mean, put something on the board as compared to the offense that could do nothing with Le'Veon Bell and Falk and uh, and and, and uh, Roby Anderson. This team, I mean, I don't want to predict things too early, but sometimes you can just get that smell of when a coach is going to get fired in his first year. Mm-hmm. Um does Adam Gase have a little bit of gangrene on him a little bit? A little bit of gangrene for sure. <laughs> so Le'Veon Bell has under two yards rushing in a game. Yeah, Luke Falk can't get over 100 yards. Now, granted, this Patriots team hasn't given up a touchdown on defense yet after losing their defensive coordinator for the last couple of years. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, if you add up the sack yards that um, the Patriots had because they sacked Luke Falk five times, he finished with 69 passing yards. Oh, man. And Jamie Collins, back with New England now, has been the second best defensive player in football to start the season. I mean, I guess so. He's looking real strong. I mean, uh, obviously the number one role goes to Shaq Barrett here, but um, Jamie Collins, it looked like his career was just going down the tubes a few years ago when Bill Belichick got pissed at him and traded him to the Browns. But now he's welcomed back to New England with open arms and going back to that role that he should have never left in the first place. Probably could have gotten a few more Super Bowl rings if he would have done that. But um, Jamie Collins looking real great. So one of the bigger upsets of the weekend was the Philadelphia Eagles against the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions went on the road into Philly and got the win. So this Detroit Lions team, two... Zero and one. They should be three and oh right now. Are the Lions for real? Were we overlooking them to start the year? Well, I think we were overlooking them. Um, I wasn't expecting that this defense was going to be playing such a dramatic role here. Um, Darius Slay came up with a fumble recovery. Big play Slay. Um, 
And and they honestly just seemed to stifle the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, maybe it was just a battle of the situation. And, uh, I mean, Carson Wentz was missing his top two targets with Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson missing this game. But if we're going to smash on Lamar Jackson going barely over 50% on completion rate, we also got to smash Carson Wentz, who went 19 for 36. Again, that's one better than being 50% on your completion rate. And that's not going to win you many games here. He he curtailed some of those turnovers that he had last week, but this is another loss where they're losing very close games. And this is not how Philadelphia is usually played. They're usually that very efficient uh, team in the clutch uh, to win the game and uh, it just hasn't shown up yet alright so Arizona Cardinals against the Carolina Panthers I actually thought that this was going to be the opportunity for Arizona to get their first win and the reason behind that was because Cam Newton goes out earlier in the week Kyle Allen's coming up and I just figured Arizona was at home they'd be able to pull it off Boy, was I wrong. Arizona got blown out of the building with Carolina winning 38-20. to Kyle Allen comes in, throws for four touchdowns, no interceptions, 261 yards. Not bad. Kyler Murray has a couple of interceptions, can't actually get the passing game going. Fitzgerald doesn't have a 100-yard game. No, actually, he has a 36-yard game. And Carolina, on defense is just after Kyler Murray the entire game. Carolina finishes with eight sacks. I'm jealous as a Broncos fan. I'm still waiting for our first. And here comes Carolina with eight. Mario Addison comes out with three. And this Carolina team is looking better all of a sudden with Kyle Allen as their quarterback than with Cam Newton as their quarterback to start the year. Well... Let's not give too much credit to the Carolina Panthers here. I mean, they did win this game by 18 points. Apparently, nobody told Kyle Allen and Christian McCaffrey that they were supposed to lose this game. But this was a extremely poorly executed game by the Arizona coaching staff, in my opinion. They finished this game giving the ball to David Johnson, who is supposed to be their best weapon on the team. They gave him 11 carries. Mm. Do you know how many times that Kyler Murray had to start and finish the play? How many? 59 times. That's a lot of times. He rushed the ball eight times. He was sacked eight times. And he had 43 pass attempts. That's a horrible margin for a rookie quarterback. I mean, I understand you're trying to go with this, this new kind of system, but you're not even giving this quarterback any room to breathe and try to learn in this this game you're giving him the entire responsibility all of the weight is on this quarterback who's not even six feet tall cliff kingsbury is putting kyler murray in the situation to fail every single week and until he changes how he's going to run this team this is going to be the 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 uh, outcome every single week Uh, In fact, the only time that the Arizona Cardinals came close to winning was in that game against Detroit, where for three quarters they floundered, and then they finally changed and went back to more of a balanced approach, 
and they had an incredible fourth quarter against the Detroit Lions and eventually ended up tying the game in overtime. Cliff Kingsbury is running this team into the ground. I, it's only been three weeks. I shouldn't be so adamant about this, but I'm done with this guy. I mean, 59 attempts for your rookie quarterback? When has that ever worked out? Did that ever work out for Baker Mayfield or or Sam Bradford or Cam Newton, all those other number one quarterbacks, Matthew Stafford? Peyton Manning? Yeah, if you're, you're going to have even Peyton Manning in his rookie year throwing 59 times yeah. or having 59 attempts where the, the play is entirely predicated upon him. Like yeah. you you got to give your quarterback some leeway to grow and, and learn in this game. And he's just allowing no air for this quarterback. Now let's talk about the best rookie quarterback of the week, Mr. Daniel Jones getting the win on the road against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers surviving a monster legendary game by Mike Evans, who had eight receptions, 190 yards, three touchdowns. Oh, did Daniel Jones see Shaq Barrett? Yes, he did. Shaq Barrett sacked him four times. Did it matter? No, because Daniel Jones led the mighty Giants of New York to a win. Well, this was a, a tale of two halves. The the Tampa Bay, they looked like they were running away with this game. They hit a last-second uh, field goal at the end of the first half to put them up 28-10. to 10. And like I said, it looked like they were running away. But then the second half happened, and the Giants scored two touchdowns in the third. The the From that moment, um, the Buccaneers only scored a field goal in the second half. Like, they just could not get any offense going. And despite the fact that Saquon Barkley went down in this game, uh, I was not expecting this to happen. I especially didn't expect a comeback to happen with Barkley out. But hats off to Daniel Jones. I mean, this kid finishes with over 300 yards in his first game and turnover free as well. He was struggling on on reading the pass rush. I'll, I'll absolutely accept that. Anytime you get sacked by four four times by the same guy, clearly you're not picking up the blitz. Um, uh, Nate Solder needs to get his head on right. But, uh, oh, excuse me, Daniel Jones did have two fumbles. I meant to say that he only had, he didn't have any interceptions. Um, but uh, I was very impressed by Daniel Jones in this first game. I wasn't expecting them to win this win this one no not at all and boy did they so in la the chargers lost to the houston texans the chargers are currently starting at one and two they had a drive to finish the game but could not get it in the end zone keenan allen has an incredible game 13 receptions 183 yards couple of touchdowns but It was not enough to stop J.J. Watt and company as J.J. Watt had a couple of tackles. The Texans defense looked good. I felt more like the Texans defense ended up winning this game in that they really held the Chargers down. And the Houston Texans offense certainly is explosive enough to put up points if their defense can get enough stops through the game to make that happen. Well, uh, I if you're looking at the stats, the the Los Angeles Chargers should have won this game. I mean, it was pretty even down the stretch, except for one major category in which the Houston Texans, 
rushed the ball 19 times compared to the Chargers rushing 18 times. And the Texans only had 2.1 yards per rush. That's real bad. Usually you see that stat on a team that lost by 14 points instead of winning by seven. Um, the Chargers won the time of possession. Uh, it just, it it seemed really odd. The, the, the Chargers just, a lack of consistency, really. Um, they were five for 15 on third down efficiency. Uh, it just, I don't know. I'm, this team seems like the kind of team that can, uh, they turn it on and then they turn it off. Uh, I don't know why that is, but um, I'm hoping they continue that two weeks from now when Denver uh, is going to be playing against the, the Chargers. Oh, that'd be great. So in the Bay, San Francisco ended up beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. One of the big surprising things of the year for me has been San Francisco is now 3-0. and Before the year, you and I really struggled with how we were going to seed San Francisco in the NFC and the NFC West. What were they going to look like? And now they're 3-0 and heading into their bye week. Meanwhile, the team I had winning the AFC North, the Pittsburgh Steelers, are starting out at 0-3 with a new quarterback, Mason Rudolph, in his first career start where he struggled. He did not look particularly good. Then again, neither did Jimmy Garoppolo, where recently acquired Pittsburgh Steeler, Minka Fitzpatrick, picked him off. Uh, San Francisco ends up getting this win. But one guy who I keep looking at, I keep looking at his stats, and I don't know if it's fair or not. And that's Devin Bush, where Devin Bush has another 10 tackles where Devin Bush has a couple of fumble recoveries. Guys just all over the ball for Pittsburgh. Great member of that defense. Great middle linebacker. Painful that, as the story goes, the Denver Broncos had Devin Bush's name written down on their draft card. And they get this offer from the Pittsburgh Steelers to trade back. And Vic Fangio also convinces Elway that the Denver Broncos have enough middle linebackers on their team that are talented enough that they do not need Devin Bush. So, uh, that's what I got for Pittsburgh. Well, that was a really sad trip down memory lane, and I'm probably going to go hang myself in the closet. Thank you. Well, at least we'll all know what happened. But back to the game that happened. Um, Mason Rudolph really struggled in this game. If you look at the stats, it's not as bad as it actually was. Um, On two passing attempts, he had 115 passing yards, one long bomb to, I believe it was uh, Deontay Johnson. uh, excuse me, it was uh, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster for a 76-yard touchdown. And then towards the end of the game, he had a touchdown to Deontay Johnson for 39 yards. But for the other 25 passing attempts, he had 59 yards. That's real bad if you're a quarterback. Um, you can't win that way. But really, this game for Pittsburgh was lost in the running game. James Conner has still not passed 100 rushing yards on the season. Wow. Yeah, he's really struggled to start the Really struggled. Um, For any of you fantasy football owners out there, if you see Jalen Samuel out there in your free agency list, 
you might want to pick him up because I feel this James Conner experiment, if he doesn't pick it up, this is going to turn into a timeshare real quick. So, um, but hats off to the San Francisco 49ers. They finished with 168 rushing yards, truly a, a, a split back, uh, uh, game here with Raheem Mostert having 79 yards and Matt Breida having 68 yards. Um, it, and also, I, I've heard that Tevin Coleman is very close to returning to this backfield, so mm. it's just going to be a crapshoot as to who's going to be responsible in carrying the lead back role. But despite those two interceptions, I was impressed with Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. Um, 277 yards. That's I'll, I'll take that. You know, nine incompletions. I'll take that. You know, 32 pass attempts. So uh, the Niners are 3-0. and I think they're a candidate to go 4-0. and You know, they may keep this, this train going. They got a bye week this week. They're already preparing for week five. Let's go to the Pacific Northwest where the Seattle Seahawks take the loss to the New Orleans Saints. I predicted this wrong in our prediction segment last week. It, this game was all Saints where tied first quarter, Saints come out strong in the second quarter, come out strong in the third quarter, get a big lead, and then Seattle's just making a massive comeback in the fourth quarter end up getting a garbage time touchdown to make the game even look closer than what it really was. Bridgewater didn't have a massive game, only 177 yards. He did have two touchdowns. I credit Alvin Kamara with this win. He looked very, very good. Not necessarily just rushing, but when you combine rushing and receiving, he was dominant. Both teams, as a defense, didn't even get to the quarterback, didn't have a sack. If you were to tell me that stat before the game, I would tell you that, yes, Seattle has won because Russell Wilson had all day to throw. But Russell Wilson still looked good. He had over 400 yards and a couple of tackles, but that's more of a result of that insane fourth quarter where they're just launching the ball down the field all the time. Uh, Bobby Wagner has 19 tackles. Granted, only six were solo, but he was in 19 times. I do like to see the Saints come into Seattle and get the win, though. Well, I do believe when you predicted the Seahawks to win this game, I told you this game would be closer than you think. Now, I didn't think the Saints were actually going to pull off a victory, but the Seahawks have a heritage of playing to the level of whatever team they're playing. And Seattle had many opportunities to take the lead on this game and and truly just just put the Saints away. They had a couple of uh, fourth down screw-ups in the red zone. Um, they had a couple times where they just couldn't convert when they were driving with the ball really well and then penalties would put them out of field goal range or an untimely uh, fumble by Chris Carson. It just when it came right down to the moment where they were just about to take it away, they would just screw it up. Uh, there was a, a fourth and goal attempt from Russell Wilson where, I mean, Tyler Lockett was open. It was an easy touchdown, and he just overthrew him. So it was just one of those kinds of games where they just kept stepping on their own toes. And Pete Carroll kind of should have seen this coming because in the pregame, 
uh, right after the, the 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 pregame workout, they're heading back into the locker room. Cody Barton was playing catch with somebody and chucks a ball, and Pete Carroll walks right in front of it and breaks his nose on the football. So it was just that kind of day for Seattle. But as you said, hats off to Alvin Kamara and the Saints. He had 161 all-purpose yards. Um, Teddy Bridgewater, no turnovers, very efficient with the ball. Um, let's see if uh, New Orleans can can come back with another unsuspected win against the Cowboys this week. Let's take it to Sunday night, the big showdown between the Cleveland Browns and the L.A. Rams. We might have all anointed the Cleveland Browns a little too soon as they start out 1-2. and two. The L.A. Rams are at 3-0, and oh, and still... The Rams don't look like they've hit their stride where they were last year when they made the Super Bowl, but yet they're still 3-0. and In terms of wins, they're not suffering from that Super Bowl hangover whatsoever. Still trying, or not still trying, but still they are able to figure out ways to win games. Jared Goff hasn't looked sharp to start the year. Neither has Todd Gurley particularly, but the receiving core, guys like Cooper Cup being able to bounce back from major injury, have 11 receptions, have over 100 yards, have two touchdowns. Oh, big time game for Cooper Cup. Be a big time game changer. Guys like that is what pushes the LA Rams over the top. And in a game where Clay Matthews' father was inducted into the Cleveland Browns' ring of fame. Clay Matthews goes out and has two sacks. Aaron Donald, two-time defending player of the year, comes out, has another big sack, going after Mr. Baker Mayfield. And Rams get the W. Well, Baker Mayfield looked bad in this game. Um, 18 for 36, um, completion percentage means a lot to you and I, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a true motif of, of, you know, efficiency for a quarterback. Like, what are you, what are you doing in those clutch situations when teams really need you to complete that third and eight, that third and six, third and 12, um, the Cleveland Browns just looked Bad. I mean, and they honestly, they blew the fourth quarter lead. They were going into the fourth quarter leading uh, by three points, 13 to 10, and they just could not get another score. This kind of seemed almost like that Tennessee Titans game um, where they narrowed the margin going into the fourth quarter, trying to come back to to surpass the, the Titans. And then Baker Mayfield has three interceptions in that fourth quarter. So... This is a team that I know a lot of people were crowning them as the next hot thing, but uh, when you talk to NFL executives and and analysts, there really is a culture of losing that you must shake off. I remember hearing the the Broncos uh, discuss this, and actually on the podcast uh, from last episode with you and Dan, Mm -hmm. Dan was talking about how young players can actually assimilate a losing mentality over time if they're in that for too long. I don't think that all these people expecting the Browns to jump out and win, these Browns players have not figured out how to win. They don't know what it's like to win in those close game margins where you're coming back or or you're holding on to a lead in the fourth quarter. That's foreign to them. They're used to going 0-16, 3-13, 
five and eleven. Uh, so until this team figures out what the solution is, and they truly have an unstoppable game plan, we're going to see a lot more games like this Cleveland Browns game against the Rams. It's not just that they're playing tough teams. They just haven't actually figured out a true formula for success. Let's take it to Monday night where the Washington Redskins were at home to the visiting Chicago Bears. Washington lost. They only scored 15 points. The Bears scored 31 And while that might seem like a two-score game, it was actually far more in the favor of the Chicago Bears than what the score has shown us. There is a good Case Keenum, not good, there is an okay Case Keenum and a bad Case Keenum. We saw a bad Case Keenum on Monday night. Adrian Peterson has really struggled for the Redskins in terms of efficiency. The Bears' offense was doing well to very well. But what stood out to me in this game was the Chicago Bears defense. This was the scary town defense that we had last year. And they added a guy you and I both like quite a bit in Ha Ha Clinton Dix comes out, has two interceptions. Cleo Mack has two sacks, always showing the Oakland Raiders that hey, I mean, it's really hard to find a good pass rusher. And so he goes out with a vengeance, as always, on prime time, gets those big plays. And Bears, if their defense is looking that good, they are a scary, scary team to play. It's about that offense. Can that offense score points when their defense is creating opportunity? Now, I was pretty surprised that the Washington Redskins did not put Dwayne Haskins in this game until you realized that they were playing the Chicago Bears. Maybe you don't want your rookie quarterback to come out at halftime against the Chicago Bears. But I've been surprised that we're on Wednesday. This is going to come out on Thursday that we haven't seen Dwayne Haskins is going to be the starter against the Giants. Well, um... I don't have much to to say on that. Uh, In the news conference with Jay Gruden, he was um, a little taken aback that people were asking him that he should put in Dwayne Haskins. And in fact, he made it very clear that Dwayne Haskins isn't the next man up in the event that he does bench Case Keenum or that he's injured. He's made it very clear that Colt McCoy is the number two guy and that it will be his job to lose. And for Dwayne Haskins to surpass McCoy. I think Jay Gruden is trying to get fired uh, from from that kind of an answer. Only explanation. Well, I mean, Case Keenum gets sacked four times and has five turnovers. And you're not even considering the fact that Dwayne Haskins should at least get some reps in the fourth quarter when it's a blowout game. I mean, you didn't even score until late in the third quarter. Uh, so uh, there was no point in this game when it was close at no point were you even threatening this team. Your, your best two players were Chris Thompson, who had, uh, just about a hundred yards all purpose and your rookie Terry McLaren, who I'm just dying to see what the connection is between Dwayne Haskins and Terry McLaren. If McLaren is this good with Case Keenum at quarterback, 
I want to see what his college teammate is going to be throwing him the ball like. So I'm waiting for the Redskins to step up here and do the right thing. Bench Case Keenum, get your future in the game and uh, start going that direction. But hats off to the the Bears. They are legit. I was expecting a little bit of a hangover on this defense with Vic Fangio leaving, but they've just picked up the ball right where they left off. Despite losing Bryce Callahan, despite losing Adrian Amos, um, this team looks like they are ready to challenge the Packers for the division. Yes. All right. So let's go on to just a couple of pieces of news and notes, and then we'll get into our predictions for the upcoming week four. So the Denver Broncos announced that Bryce Callahan is undergoing surgery and will miss another four to six weeks on his foot injury, his left foot injury. Well, that's great news because that means uh, Isaac Yidem gets a lot more playing time, right? Well, he's so good. Yeah, that's right. And news as we were getting on the air is that Melvin Gordon is going to end his holdout and rejoin the Chargers tomorrow. He was facing right around $2.5 million worth of fines up to this point. And it sounds like the uh, Chargers are not going to be seeking that $2.5 million. But... They might look at a two-week holdout or a two-week um, uh, extension or roster exemption so that they don't necessarily have to play him right away so that he can work his way back into game shape. Now, I have a quick uh, uh, prediction that I'd like to put on to you, okay? That's just for you to make. Okay. Uh, does Melvin Gordon play for the Chargers in 2020 is this comeback so that he can get that big deal for next year with the chargers or is this basically just to prove that like hey i'm still the guy that you want and he's auditioning for the other 31 teams that's my question i'm going to say melvin gordon will not be a member of the chargers next year and that this is an audition Okay, so I'm going to put it down. I'm going to put it in the plant here. Put it is in the that, plant here that this is the Melvin Gordon swan song for the next 13 weeks. Well, 14 weeks, 13 games, I should say. All right. As I'm putting that in here, talk to me about Jalen Ramsey. Well, I, uh, I, I feel like my stuttering is the same reaction that Doug Marone is getting in a lot of press conferences. Um, Jalen Ramsey is making it very clear he does not want to play for the Jacksonville Jaguars anymore. He played on last Thursday night against the Titans, had a decent game, uh, minimizing uh, Marcus Mariota. Big step. Then he comes out with a mysterious illness, and if I'm not mistaken, it was a mysterious back injury that wasn't confirmed and now he's missing the game, not even traveling with the team because of the birth of one of his children. Um, uh, it, which I mean, I can, I'm not jumping on him over that. I mean, there's a lot of players that that miss games over that. In fact, James White just last week missed the game against the Jets for the New England Patriots because of the birth of one of his children. Um, but I really think that this is 
the end for Jalen Ramsey. I'm not expecting him to play another game for the Jaguars. I might be wrong on this, but I mean, it was out of Jalen Ramsey's own mouth or thumbs, I should say, just a few days ago saying that he was expecting a deal within 10 days. And that clock is about to strike midnight in a couple of days. So I'm still waiting for the trade to happen. So you're saying that Ramsey has played his last game with Jacksonville. Well, that's what Ramsey is saying. I mean, he's very adamant that he does not want to play with them anymore. So I, I, I don't I don't know what to say here. I think I'm putting you down as having said that and taken his side. Oh crap. Yep, you're you're with him now. How am I on Jalen Ramsey's side? I know, it's a weird world. All right. So oh. speaking of sides, Antonio Brown decided We to... do not say that name around here. <laughs> Antonio of House Brown. We call him He Who Must Not Be Named. He Who Must Not Be Named uh, went on a, a Twitter rampage where he said he was retired from the NFL. He enrolled back at Central Michigan. He took shots at Robert Kraft. He took shots at Mark Davis. Mark Davis at Ben Roethlisberger. And then today we find out that his agent was on Warren Sapp's podcast and said that Antonio Brown wants to continue his career in the NFL and that teams have been in contact with him about his future. So all that to say, another week, and we don't know what we will be talking about next week with Antonio Brown. I would, I would hope that whoever decides to sign Antonio Brown they must put him through a psychological exam to find out what disorder that he has in his brain to make him go from I'm retiring in the NFL to two days later, not even 48 hours from saying, yeah, I'm going to play again. Like you just said, dude, that you are done with the NFL. Now done in my point of view means that, oh, it, you're, you know, quitting, finished, over gonzo see you later sayonara i'm gonna play soccer i'm gonna i'm gonna coach i'm gonna just take an entire step away but this guy has got some multiple personalities here it's it's like there's the good antonio brown and then there's the bad antonio brown it just maybe this guy has a secret evil twin that we don't know about (laughs) but he who must not be named i would just hope that partner you got to get some help here because you cannot stay out of the news and uh eventually something's gonna happen real serious if you're not careful yeah yeah i have a lot to say about the mental state of antonio brown but i'm gonna take the hard pass on it well that's a good point a good good road to take yeah smart all right so let's get into our predictions for the week we're changing up the game a little bit though So why don't you tell the good folks how we are changing things up? Well, folks, for three weeks in a row, it has been very consistent that Shem and I have both gotten four wins in our bold predictions. We're going four for five in the games, and we're just doing terrible on the stat predictions. So how we're doing this is we are making it easier on the stat predictions but we're making it tougher on the game predictions to avoid the fact that we're just picking whoever's playing the dolphins that week (laughs) so 
Um, how we're doing this is when we're doing game predictions, we have five stipulations, and they must be completed one per pick. We must pick a primetime game, meaning Thursday night, Sunday night, or Monday night games. We must pick a home team. We must pick an away team. We must pick a team that is the favorite to win, according to Vegas, and a team that is predicted as the underdog, according to Vegas. We are also eliminating losses by stat predictions. Those are now bonus points, as they should have always been, because apparently we're terrible at picking stats. Yeah, we're bad at that. Yeah. So, we are going to be kicking this off this week. We're continuing our records of the past, but uh, starting this week, we can no longer just pick, you know, whoever's playing against the Jets and the Dolphins and, and all those other Oh, we're still going to do that, but... Yeah, but it's a little harder now. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Okay, we can't just uh, pick the hard team. And honestly, once it gets in the latter part of the league when there's not a Thursday night game, or it's going to be interesting how that goes. Oh, right. <laughs> um, so... Uh, it's week four. This is the even week. I'm pretty sure that I get to kick this off. Am I? You am do. I correct? Yeah, you get to lead it off. All righty. Well, how about I just uh, uh, just shove it right in your face here? Okay. I'm gonna pick the primetime game. Okay. In which I'm saying the Dallas Cowboys oh, are gonna beat <laughs> the New Orleans Saints. I was very impressed by Teddy Bridgewater and the New Orleans Saints. Um, they they defeated the the Seahawks, got some revenge there. But I think the rose comes off the uh, uh, the petals here, or petals off the rose. Is that how the saying yeah, goes? Yeah, the petals rose. Yeah. There's petals, they fall, and there's a rose. There's no more petals. There's no more aroma. There's no more sweetness. It, this rose is dead. They will lose against the Dallas Cowboys this week. Petals, Rose, Petals, Rose, Josh Rosen, 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 Rosen. Oh, look, my away game. The LA Chargers are on the road <laughs> against the Miami Dolphins. Perfect. I'm taking that. All right. So there's one of your predictions there. I mean, you don't even want to uh, examine the game. You don't want to explain why the Dolphins are going to lose. Dolphins are going to lose. Because they're bad or the Chargers are so good? Or what was... The Dolphins are going to lose. Oh, okay. All right, well, if you're going for an away game, how about I pick my away game? Oh, okay, yeah, let's do it. This team has notoriously played badly when they're on the road, and not only on the road, but at this stadium. But I think they're coming off of a loss, and they're going to do well this week. The Seattle Seahawks will defeat the Arizona Cardinals and wow. Kyler Murray and company. Until Cliff Kingsbury gets this this uh, thing out of his head that he can win by uh, college formula, I think they're going to continue to lose, and uh, they're going to be 0-3-1 by the end of this week. Yeah, that's a, that's a solid one. I have the Seahawks as getting the W, but I will also take my home team at this point, and I will take the L.A. Rams at home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, you dirty devil, you. Uh, I mean, that was a good pick. Um, hmm, where do I want to go with this? Where do I want to go with this? I think... How about I go for my favorite? All right, yeah, yeah. 
Um, I think this game is going to go for a blowout, um, uh, despite their only predicted as a seven-point favorite here, but the New England Patriots. Oh, yeah. I that's mean, a solid one. anytime they're facing another undefeated team, I'm expecting them to spank them just to show that, like, yeah, we are the still that we're still the big dick on campus here. Okay. Um, the Buffalo bills, it's been a cute story that they're three and zero, but they will not be undefeated by the end of this week. Yeah, that's a good one. I will take my favorite. Now my favorite favorite. Oh, you mean my favorite team that is oh! also favored against you the Jacksonville sneaky, Jaguars. Sneaky sucker, you. And that is the Denver Broncos will get their first win of the year. Well, that's a good pick there. I'll take it. That's uh, uh, f- formidable there. Um, I'm going to go in a different direction for a favorite, and I'm going to go for another game that is undefeated versus undefeated, in which I am picking the Kansas City Chiefs to mm-hmm. beat the Detroit Lions. The oh. Chiefs are 6.5 favorites in this game. But I think this game could very easily get away from the Detroit Lions. Uh, Stafford could go blow for blow with Mahomes towards the end of this game. But I think the Chiefs are, towards the end, I think they're going to run away with this by at least two touchdowns. All right, so let's rehash. So you have the Cowboys over the Saints. That's my primetime. Primetime. You have Seahawks over Cardinals. That's my away team. Away team. Patriots over Bills. That's my favorite. Favorite. And KC over Lions. That's my... You said Seahawks was your away game. Ah, dang it. Yeah. So so I need to... So I have to pick an underdog and a home team. Yes. All right. Well, I got to take off my Chiefs then. All right. Dang it. Well, bugger. (laughs) See, your own game is coming back to bite you. That is that is the situation. All right. Well, you've put me to it. So since you haven't picked a primetime game, how about I just stick it in your craw here? I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers over the Philadelphia Eagles and force you to pick that Monday night game. Oh, brutal. So you brought this on yourself here, bud. Green Bay Packers at home. Nobody should be picking the Eagles to win on the road (laughs) in Lambeau. And uh, though the Packers have not played a full four quarters at any point this season, um, I think they've just needed a strong enough opponent to to really challenge them offensively. They've played some very good defensive teams. I mean, they won in a close game against the Bears with a good defense. The Broncos game was actually closer than it seemed. Um, but they need an offensive team that can go blow for blow with them. So... Uh, I'm still going to pick the Packers in this game, but um, I think that game could be very high scoring. Well, that's rough because I was very happy to take Green Bay as my primetime game, mm, and you took it away, ripped it from my heart. Well, you were um, the one that d- d- corrected me, so uh, suck it, Trebek. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, this time I'm just going to pick my primetime game just to make sure that you don't go the other way on the next one just to give me an automatic loss. That was, 
So that's the game theory behind this. Um, yeah, yeah, this is a rough one. <laughs> I don't really like either team, and I can talk myself both into and out of both teams. I guess I'm going to go with the Steelers at home because Andy Dalton is has lost six consecutive games at Pittsburgh. Granted, that could mean that he is due. I like Mason Rudolph. Um, I hope James Conner has a bounce back game in this one, but I think I think you're right in picking the Steelers here. Um, Andy Dalton is not only bad against the Steelers; he's bad in Pittsburgh, and he's also terrible in prime time. Yeah. So when you add all that together. I think the Pittsburgh defense is really going to win this game. Expect this game to be very low scoring. Oh, yeah. This is going to be a nightmare one. All right. So go with your underdog at this point. Uh, Well, it's oh, I'm so tempted to go in this direction, but I think I'm investing a little too much in these guys. Um, uh, it's a really tough call. I mean, I want to pick the Raiders at uh, on the road against the Colts. I think they're due for a bounce back game. Um, I really want to pick the Redskins for some reason against Daniel Jones. Interesting. I think that Redskins defense could step up to the plate against a rookie quarterback. Plus, like I said, Saquon Barkley is going to be gone for most of uh, the next half of the season. Um, I don't expect Kyle Allen to have a uh, lightning strike <laughs> twice against the Texans. Um, the Minnesota Vikings and their rushing attack could really upset the bears here, but the bears are playing at home and Kirk cousins plays terrible when he's getting pressured Yeah, and the bears sacked him. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was 12 times combined last season. Uh, so that's more than you want. Yeah, that's, that's not where we're going. So, uh, I'm actually going to go with the Oakland Raiders here. I think that they, they're six and a half point underdogs against the the Colts here. My heart tells me to go with the Redskins, but I just can't trust Case Keenum. <laughs> yeah, it's too hard. Uh, I'm going to follow up where you were just leading with my underdog, and I am going to take the Vikings on the road. I was really the close there. Yeah. yeah. Just because their running game, it, if they win, it's not going to be because of Kirk Cousins. It's going to be because of a massive run game and their defense looks good against a struggling Bears offense. So I'm trusting the Vikings in this one. Now, I would like to put something to you. Okay. It's very early in the season, but, you know, week four being what it is. Both of these teams are 2-1. and one. Both of these teams are in the same division. Could this game have some long-term deciding effects over which of these teams make the playoffs. Both of us have predicted that two teams are going to come out of the NFC North, but we were both a little undecided on whether that would be the Packers and Bears or Packers and Vikings. Um, Are you willing to say that whoever wins this game could be the favorite to launch themselves uh, into the playoffs? I would say so. At this point, they would definitely be the favorites, especially with how good Green Bay has looked to start the year. They're the team that has a strong lead on the NFC North, uh, at least by the eye test, not even looking at the record. But if you look at the record, yes. But I think this game will be very important for the next few weeks, at least, over 
how that NFC North division is shaking up. Mm. All right, give like me your it. bonus predictions. All right, so the bonus rounds here. Um, I want to go with uh, the 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 Chiefs and Lions game where uh, you you took that game away from. Me. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Um, this is my bold prediction. I think between these two quarterbacks, there are seven hundred and fifty passing yards. All right. And I think there are over five touchdowns by these quarterbacks. By each one? Or? Well, both quarterbacks are not <laughs> throwing for 700. I'm saying combined. Okay. That there's going to be... Uh, if I throw the touchdowns in there, can I drop the yardage? Like, go 705 touchdowns. 700 yards passing and five okay. touchdowns combined by these two quarterbacks. I think this is a, 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 a shootout game. I don't think the lions have enough firepower to keep up with the chiefs, but I think they have just enough to spur the chiefs to score more. So I, I could see this game going like a, a 42, 28 kind of scenario. Um, and whoever's picking the over is, is going to win big in Vegas. Vegas, whew. All right, I have to think about <laughs> which one I want to do. Because I have one in my mind that I want to do, but I don't actually see it. Uh, or uh, I hope that it doesn't come true. All right, we're going to go with that one. Yeah. So the Denver Broncos pass rush has been legendarily bad. Okay. Very bad. Okay. To start the year. I mean, incredibly bad. No sacks. No INTs. And my prediction would be that once again, and that's the problem because it's already happened this year, so I don't want to do it because it seems in a lot of ways to not be a bold prediction, but at the same time, it's still an incredibly bold prediction. Lay it on me and I'll throw the challenge flag if I need. God damn it. Once again. All right. So I got the red flag. I'm not afraid to use it here. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to say that once again, Shaq Barrett has more sacks than the entire Denver Broncos team in week four. Oh, I don't want to believe it, and I really hope you're wrong. So I'm not going to throw the challenge flag here, but I think Shaq Barrett will get over double digit well sacks for the year this week so i think he clears 10 this week yeah and maybe maybe i think that the broncos will get their first one i'm gonna be in denver we're gonna be celebrating it but i don't know Ugh. <laughs> ah, ah. yeah and so the hard part about that bold prediction is shaq barrett has now done that three weeks in a row yeah. Well, I'm going to hit you with another bold prediction that's going to sink what you just said. Okay. Okay. Denver Broncos, on top of having three sacks in this game, the Denver Broncos are going to hold the Jacksonville Jaguars to 
one touchdown and below 15 points. 15 points and under. Okay. Okay. So do you want to count the three sacks in there too? Yeah, toss it in there. Three sacks and and uh, the the Jaguars have one touchdown, 15 points or below. Weird part uh, is Jack Barrett has another four sack game and I'm still <laughs> better than him. Uh, I hope that's wrong, but um, I I think that this uh, we were talking before the show about how um, the Broncos are just it, it's like they're coming to the plate and they're just not seeing the ball right, you know. Mm. Um, but I think this game they finally put it together. They're playing again at home, and uh, they're they will not go 0 and 4 to me. They are 0 and 3 for the first time since 1999. That's 20 years of starting strong in September. And I don't think they go winless through this month. I just I don't see it happening. This team is too good for that. I'm not saying that they're a good team, but they're too good for that. I mean, there's seven winless teams in this league, and the Broncos should not be among them. They had a really close game against the Bears. They had chances to win against the Packers. And for God's sake, they should not have let Derek Carr just blow all over them like that. So this time they finally pull their heads out of their asses and they destroy Gardner Minshew, a quarterback who should not be on the field against this Denver Broncos defense. So I, I wasn't ready to make this statistical prediction until um, you changed the rules of the game and I had to pick an underdog versus an overdog. So let me tell you why the you, Minnesota Vikings are going to beat the Chicago Bears. Oh, they're going to have a great running game. Is that what you're saying? Because one Mr. Alexander Madison oh. is going to have over a hundred yards rushing in this game. Okay. What does Dalvin Cook have? I mean, are you expecting he has a hundred yard game as well, or I'm predicting something might happen. Whoa. Or Mr. Cook. This smells like a conspiracy. You're trying to hurt Dalvin Cook. No, I'm saying maybe he has like the the Bobby Hurley where he gets diarrhea during the game. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Right, like you're not going to wish something bad's going to happen on a guy. That's some bad voodoo. Kind of like how Mark Schlereth used to pee in the huddle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Okay, or, all right. Yeah, where all of a sudden he, yeah. he gets the poops and he has to leave <laughs> for a while. Like something like that. Mm. Well, you know, it, it has happened before. It's it's possible. Um, but fortunately for Alexander Madison, they're waiting in the wings for him. They are waiting in the wings, and I think they might be waiting in the wings for a little while longer for him to have his first 100-yard game. Considering... But that's why they beat the Bears, is he has over 100 uh, yards rushing. I'm going to put it this way. If Alexander Madison has a 100-yard game, we're going to see that his longest carry was for, like, 75 yards and the rest of his 11 carries went for 26 yards so that's why you might win this extra point here but i will you know what it's your prediction you let it go for it um well that's why they win i mean it's not my fault that i have the gift of foresight 
You might want to check your record in the Palantir before you start <laughs> touting your uh, foresight here, buddy. Um, smells a little more like foreskin to me. <laughs> All right. So with that, it's another week of Third and Manageable. I am still Shem Hanks. And I am Brad Roberts. And we'll talk with you all next week. Bye. Bye. This has been a production of Values First.